And the church has been going on for quite a while now. And so John doesn't really see a need to bring in all the lineage of where Jesus came from. He doesn't seem like back in the Gospels uh, in, you know, John, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you see that they talk about the lineage of Jesus and where he came from and all these things. But John doesn't seem that he needs to do that since the church has been going on for a while. So John seems to have this mission now is to equip the church, to prepare the church, to keep the church on the right track, to keep them on the right road. And in the book, in his gospel, he writes, he says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you shall have eternal life. You find that John's, when you read John's gospel, you find that John usually, he would show a miracle uh, or he will explain that Jesus is God and then he'll back it up by a miracle. You see this numerous times throughout his writings uh, in his gospel. And he seems to have one purpose, as he said, is to make us fully know who Jesus Christ is. Amen. And so last week we were talking a little bit uh, the, he on this epistles, this first set of epistles. He was telling us that there's four reasons that he was writing this epistle to the believer. And the first one we, we discussed a little bit last week, but so that our joy should be full. Amen. We've got truth. We've got the best thing, as they say down south, that's light bread and bubble gum. Amen. Our moon pie and RC Kohler. We've got the best thing going. It's better than Ludafis. It's better than Lepsa. You know, it's better than meatballs and, you know, whatever that stuff y'all eat. But, but we've got the best thing. And so what John is trying to tell us now is look, don't let it go. Hold on to it. Use it. Amen. And he says, I want to tell you these things because I want to add to your joy. See, you can always have more than than what you got. See, it came with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says he's dealt to every man a measure of faith. So, but God wants our faith to run off the charts. He wants our love to run off the charts. He wants our joy to run off the charts. He wants our lights to always be bright and shining. And we have to get to that point in our lives that we don't allow things to come into our life to hinder our joy and to stop us. This is why you find that Paul is constantly in his writings to the church. He's constantly talking about rejoicing the Lord. Rejoicing the Lord. You know, because the way we think, as the Bible tells us in Proverbs 23, 7, that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, so I have to get my mind wrapped around this thing call Jesus and and hold on to it and not let go. I've got to get my mind stayed upon him. This is why Paul writing to the church at Colossus says, if you have been risen with Christ, then seek those things above where Christ is seated on the right hand of the throne of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of this earth, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Amen. So we need to set our affections and we need to get in the habit of learning how to rejoice. We need to learn how to see our trials and things that comes against us. As Paul says, these light afflictions in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, 18, he said they're only for a moment. But they're working in you a more eternal and to see the weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen. But the things which are not seen, but the things which are seen are temporal. 
but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, so what we go through in our lives should still cause us to be able to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and go forward. Amen. We we got to use those those trials or those tests that comes against us to step stronger. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 24:10 that if I faint in the day of adversity, my strength is small. Okay? In other words, if I quit, if I give up when I'm going through something, my strength is small. Jesus says in Luke 18:1, I would that men would pray and not faint. In other words, you pray you won't quit is what he's trying to get us to see. Now, John, writing to the church in John, 1 John, he he said, little children, I'm writing unto you. Why? Because you're strong. You're strong. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And Jesus says, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. See? So you're strong, John is saying here. This is why Paul told Timothy, he said, God has not given you the spirit of fear. He's given you power. He's given you love. He's given you a sound mind. So he says, what you need to do is stir up the gift. Now, last week we were talking about Freddie, right? You know, you need to get into the habit of being like Freddie, you know, and start praising God with it. You know, whether you got to jump or do and get it up, you know, whatever. Whatever you got to do to praise the Lord. As we were saying last week, the Bible says what? Let everything have breath praise the Lord. See, if I can't stand, I can still praise the Lord. Because as long as I'm breathing, I can open my mouth, I can thank you, I can magnify the Lord, whatever. Okay? So John wants us to have joy. Then his, his second reason he said he was writing to us is to guard us against sin. See, because we know that sin can't enter. How many scriptures do we need to keep reading? Uh, how many times do we have to go to church to hear to stop sinning. I think just about every preacher, every message teaching you against sin. Because God came to destroy the works of the devil. And he says, John says, if he's in us, then we can't sin. So don't choose to sin. That's why Romans 6 is so powerful. Shall we continue in sin that grace may come? God forbid. No, you're not. So many of us baptized in Jesus Christ. We're baptized into his death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we should walk in newness of life. Don't let sin, he says, reign or be in your mortal bodies that you should obey the lust of it. Don't let Satan, Paul says, don't let Satan even get a, a grip. Don't let him get a foothold into your life. Keep yourself spotless. That's why Jude says, keep yourself in the love of God. Say, so, so he's writing these epistles to guard us against sin because sin is going to come. You know, when I was in the military, they gave us all this stuff to protect us. 
you know, chemical suits. You know, I used to hate NBC training. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> every, you know, ever saw that we had to have nuclear, biological, and chemical training. So they, they called this alert, and you had to put on all this stuff, and you got your mask on. And it, yeah, you got to put it on in nine seconds, right? All this stuff, you know, mask, got to get it on in nine seconds and all this stuff. You got to have it on. Then you got to sit around in your office all day long in it. Everywhere you go, you got to wear this stuff. You want to drink a water, you got to drink it through the holes in the mask, you know, and all this stuff. And I mean, and you are sweating profusely like a pig in a sty, you know, and it's hot. But guess what? It's for your protection. You get used to doing it now because when the enemy starts shooting gas, you don't have time to be wondering where my stuff is, how it works. You know, can I use it? All these things. That's why they do. I mean, they prepare you so you can complain all you want to. I guarantee you. You know what? My soldiers, yeah, I used to listen to them complain all the time about having to do it. When we got down range and Saddam started shooting Scud missiles, I guarantee you none of them had a problem with finding and getting their stuff on in nine seconds. Because <laughs> they know it was for their protection. See? And it's the same way. So this is what John is saying. He says, look, I'm, I want to protect you from sin. I want to tell you what you need to do so to guard you against the sins and the things that the enemy is going to throw against you and is going to come against you. He says, I want to prepare you so that you are aware, so you'll be able to see what he's doing, his tricks, his schemes, his tactics, so that you can protect yourself. So he says, that's what I'm writing this for. And then the third point he told us, he says, I'm writing to warn you against false teachers, against false teachers. See, he's reaching back now because Jesus had already told them that false prophets would come in his name, saying, I'm of Christ and I will deceive many. So they they were already aware that false prophets was going to come. And so John begins to tell us that about the Antichrist here. Uh, let me see if I can grab a quick scripture here. Amen. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 18. He says, Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard that the Antichrist shall come, even now are many Antichrists, whereby we know that this is the last time. Notice. They're, they're anti means you're against Christ. So we see so many today that is against Christ. A lot of people against Christ, you know, but where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. All right. But as, as, as Elijah told the, his servant, the prayed and asked the Lord, he says, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. They're more with us than be with them. All right. So, but this is the end times. And as we're starting to see things transpire here to bring this thing into focus here. So John says there's many antichrists even now. And we know this is the last time they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd have been with us, they would have no doubt continued with us. Say they'd have stayed with us is what John says. So because they was against Christ, they left. 
But you have this unction or you have this anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is in the truth. Notice, he says, I'm not writing to you because you don't know the truth. You already know the truth. You know that Jesus is God. You know that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We know that John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. We know the truth. Say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We know the truth. So John says, I'm not writing to you because you don't know the truth. He says, I'm writing to you because you know the truth. Say, And who is a liar but he that not that Jesus is the Christ? You remember what the woman told Jesus at the well when they was in there conversing and Jesus in the round 24th verse of John chapter 4, Jesus told her that God is a spirit and they that, you know, worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, you know. And then the woman says to Jesus, well, I know that Messiah, which is called Christ, when he come, he's going to tell us all things. Jesus says, I'm speaking to you. <laughs> you know. She left her water pots, man, ran back into that city and says, come and see a man that told me everything ever I've done. Is not this to Christ. And then he goes into the city and he spends time there. And then all the city guys tell the lady that came running and telling her that he was there. They says, ah, oh, we, we didn't care about what you said, basically, is what it was at. But we heard him ourselves. And we now know indeed that this is the Christ. Amen. See, so we know the truth, but we don't deny Jesus. He is Antichrist that deny the Father and the Son. Whosoever deny the Son, the same have not the Father. <laughs> Need your oneness scripture? There you go. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. John ten thirty. I and my Father are one, right? You've seen me, you've seen the Father. See, y'all know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. What did you hear from the beginning? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for witness to bear witness of the light. That true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, his own received him not. But everyone that received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, which was born not of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Amen. And the flesh, word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, right? Amen. Because he, he came to give us eternal life. John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world. 
that he gave his only begotten son to whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Here is condemnation. The light is come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Okay? So you know the truth. So John says, I want to warn you against the false teachers. And that's why Paul would write to Timothy. Now, the Spirit speaking expressly in the latter days or latter times, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Some shall depart from the faith, given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hard iron, forbidden to marry, and commanded to abstain from meats, which God have created to be received with thanksgiving of all them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused is received with thanksgiving for is sanctified with the word of God in prayer. See? So in the latter times, the Spirit is already speaking. He says here that some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. See, this is why we're, we're told to see that no man seduce you or let no man lead you astray. Let them not deceive you with false doctrine and false teaching. This is why we have to study, Paul says, to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen's that needeth not be ashamed, rightly divided in the word of truth. This is why I'm always saying you read your Bible, know your Bible, know what it is, you know, know what's in there. Cause it's easy to be deceived if you don't study. Uh, you can, if you study, you know, you can find that, hey, this is wrong. Had a PI student once, the question on the test was wrong. You know, and the PI student caught it. It says in the book, it says this. You know? And so what do we have to do? We have to throw the question out. Right, PI students? <laughs> they they get into it. Amen. So so we got this we gotta know. We have to study so that we we know what is being said, if it's true or not. And so John says, I'm writing to you, not that you don't know the truth, but that you do know the truth. Amen. Second Corinthians 11, verse 3 and 4, Paul says, But I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguile Eve through his subtility, so your mind should be corrupt from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaching another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you received another spirit which we have not received, or another gospel which we have not accepted, you might as well bear with them. You know, don't always think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. You know, there are some guys can sugarcoat some stuff. You know, there are some good orators. <laughs> there are some good guys that really knows how to preach. You know, I think the scripture says don't marvel because Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So there is no great thing if his ministers appears as ministers of righteousness. But what did Jesus say? You shall know them by their fruit. 
See? So that's what you're looking for. You hear me always say, I'm not a judge. I'm a fruit inspector. <laughs> and that's what you want to do. How's your love? How's their joy? How's their peace? You know, how's their long, how's their character? Say, you, 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 there's some yardsticks and measurements that they should line up with in God's word. Are they like their daddy? They said, on Indiana, who's your daddy, huh? <laughs> Amen. So we have to make sure that we understand. As we saw during the holiday time, we, we looked at the book of Revelation where God cautioned the church at Pergamos and the church of Sardis, you know, about their doctrine. Say, he, he, they, he, he called them on it, uh, quite a bit there to, you know, that there was things they was doing that he did not like. They was doing some right things, but then all of a sudden, you notice what God does in these churches. He calls them to repent. Out of those seven churches, only two was not called to repent, Philadelphia and Sardis. You know, the rest of them, the other five was called to repent. They was doing some good stuff, Jesus says. But he says, I got something against you. You got some false doctrine going on. You got some false teachers taking place. See, and when that happens, what happens is to corrupt the vine. It's the little foxes. To Brother Stanley Chambers used to say, the spore of the vine. See, because the little foxes can't get up to the top of the vines to get to eat the grapes. So what do they do? They know on the vine down on the ground because the nectar is still coming through. And that's what they're trying to get is a sweet taste. And so as they know on the root down by the vine on the bottom, you know, it kills it. And that's what happens a lot of times is false doctrine and false teachings it goes right at the root of the matter to cause you to question, you know. They try to get you to question your belief in God. They try to get you to question the oneness of God. They try to get you to question holiness and holy living. Say, it goes right at the core of the matter of things. Why? Because they know that without those two things, no man shall see the Lord. That's why Hebrews 12, 14 says, follow peace with all men and holiness without shall no man see the Lord. So, see, false doctrine goes right at the core of what God is trying to get us to know about him. He's holy. So we are called to be holy. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 16, we got to know him, you know, in order to be able Amen. So when you read the book of Revelation there, the first uh, couple of chapters, chapter 2 and chapter 3, is he's, he's a caution and John is cautioning the, the churches of, of uh, the Lord. And as a result, he's trying to get them to be aware that false doctrine and false teachings is there. And so we have to be aware of that. Amen. So number four, John says, is to strengthen their faith in Christ and to ensure them of eternal life. Say, how strong is your faith? Now, you get up in the morning and you pump some iron, you know, to build your muscles, faith muscles, you know, get into the Word of God all the time. Say, why do you need to be in the Word of God all the time? Huh? Keep you strong? 
Okay. Faith comes by and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. So the more of God's Word I know, the more of God's Word I hide in me, the stronger my faith is going to be. Say, And so that's what we have to realize here. First John chapter 5, verse 11 through 13, John says, And this is the record that God have given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So John says, I want to strengthen you. He says, I want to strengthen your faith in Christ. I want it to be solid. You know, they say that concrete reaches its maximum hardness at 30 years. So it takes at least 30 years for concrete to reach its maximum hardness. And and you would, you know, if you stop and think about that, so 30 years walking to the Lord, you should be solid at a rock. Your faith should be solid at a rock. You should be like Sister Bell. You know, <laughs> you know think about it. You know, solid. The more you read, the more you study the things of God, the stronger you should be. That's why Peter writes in 2 Peter 1.5, he says, add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. If these things be in you and abound, they make that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But he that liketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brother, give all diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you should never fall. You'll be solid. Say, and this is what he's trying to say, John is trying to say, is look, I want to strengthen your faith. I'm going to give you things, I'm going to tell you things that you need to do so that you do not lose your faith. You remember what Jesus asked the disciples when they was in the boat and they was going to the other side in John, and Mark chapter 5, I think it is, that he told them, let's go to the other side. And they got in the midst of the sea. And the water is coming into the boat, and the boat is filling up with water, and they're trying to throw the water out. Amen. And finally, the more they throw out, the more is coming in. You know, and finally, they get the wise idea. Let's wake up Jesus. So they go, they wake him up, and they say, Master, don't you care that we perish? Jesus stands, he rebukes the wind and the waves, and says, Peace be still. And there's a calmness. And then he turned to the disciples and says, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? See, if anybody's faith should have been running off the charts, it should have been them. They'd seen the miracles. They've heard him teach. 
They knew who he was. See? And this is what John is saying. I'm not writing to you because you don't know the truth. I'm writing to you because you know it. You know God's capabilities if you've read this book. You can look at your own life and see what he's already done for you. You know, you know if it had been for him, how he poured you out of the mess you were. I, you don't, I do. You see? So I know God's capabilities. So I shouldn't let things, you know, pull me away and cause me to doubt God's abilities. My faith should be strong. It should be solid. What this Bible says in Hebrews 6, when God made promise, verse 9, when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, said, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he patiently endured, he received the promise. See? And look at Hebrews 11, by faith. Amen. Abel, offered unto God, a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, whereby he retained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by them he being dead, yet speak it. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, because God translated him. But before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, nor being warned of God's of things not seen it yet, move with fear, preparing an ark to the saving of his family, condemn the world, and by it he became what? The heirs of righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called of God to go out into a country that he would have to receive as an inheritance, obey, went out not knowing where he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundation, whose builder and maker was God. But through faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed when she was past age, because why? She judged him Faithful. She judged God faithful. Sarah says, okay. First she laughed. But when she starts swell, I guarantee you she and the whole, <laughs> the whole concept changed. Amen. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek for a country. For if they had been mindful of that country from which they had came out of, they will have no doubt had returned therein. But now they seek a better country. That is a heavenly. For God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham. Amen. Notice. It's tried to be God. You know, 
offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, and whom it was said, and Isaac shall thy seed. Accounting, notice, that God was able to raise him up from the dead, from whence he had received him, in a figure. Who was the figure? Jesus Christ. Amen. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. By faith, Isaac, when he was dying, blessed both Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Isaac, when he was dying, blessed both <laughs> Amen. Jacob, excuse me. By faith, Isaac, <laughs> blessed both Esau and Jacob concerning the things to come. Amen. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph, worshiping. Leaning upon his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, gave commandments concerning his bones. The departed children of Israel and gave commandments concerning his bones. Joseph said, don't leave me here, man. God's coming to get you. And it goes on and on and on. See, so John said, look, since we've got so great a cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12, 1. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners, lest you be weary and faint in your own mind. You faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them out of them all. Psalms 34 19. See, so we're going through things, but John is saying, I got to get your faith strong. So I want to tell you some things, John is saying, to help you to be strong. And have, because if your faith is strong, he says, you're going to have eternal life. That's the overall thing. We're going to reign with him. They don't want us to quit. They don't want us to give up. Amen. Because our faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You see, the, the gospel is more than just Acts 2.38. That just gets us in the church. Then we go on to perfection. Amen. We move forward more and more. And John says, I want to strengthen your faith in Christ. Amen. And so to do that, he says, I've got to give you some knowledge. I've got to give you some understanding. And I've got to give you some instructions so that you will be able to endure these things that you will go through. Amen. In these last days. Amen. You know, you want to test your faith? I brought my wife a chair for, for Christmas for her stamping area. You know, and most stuff I buy, you know, that I got to put together, it's got instructions, and it tells you how to do it all. Well, I brought her this chair for Christmas, and I got it. It came in, and all of a sudden, I open the box, and I'm looking, and I see picture little blocks with pictures 
No instructions. <laughs> Just pictures. <laughs> you know, and up top, it has the different size screws and bolts, and it gave them all a number. And so when you look at the picture, all you saw was numbers. <laughs> no writing whatsoever. Then tell me which boat, I, you know, says take this two and a half inch boat and screw it into this and all. none of that. So I had to stand there and look at the picture to put it together. Yeah, did I get a little frustrated? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but I got it together through <laughs> the help of my wife. <laughs> but, but, but we got it together. See? And now I guess I have a little bit more faith in putting stuff together by looking at pictures. <laughs> you know? And that's how it is sometimes when we read the Word of God. We get pictures. See? And we have to take those pictures. It's kind of like putting a puzzle together. You ever notice? There's pieces, but there's pictures. And you got to match the picture together to get the puzzle together. And that's how God's word is sometimes. It's kind of like a picture. And we look at it and we go, how does that fit? <laughs> Where does that go? And then you keep going and you keep going and you keep going. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, okay. Yeah, right here. I see that. You know, you read something in the Old Testament. And then all of a sudden you go, hmm, that didn't make any sense. And you get over here in the New Testament. And you go, ah, now I see where that goes. Yeah. Precept upon precept, line upon line, here little, there little. See, so you begin to grow in those things. So John it's saying here, I want to strengthen your faith. See, I want you to be strong in what we're going to talk about here. And so he begins to open our understanding here. So some key words we're going to run across uh, as you study John. He, he's talking about fellowship. You know, in other words, if you're going to grow, you've got to have fellowship. You need good, godly fellowship with one another. You need to spend time with one another. You're family. We're family. Say That's why Paul, right into the church at Philippi in, in Philippians 2, he starts out, he says, if there be any consolation in Christ, if there be any comfort of love, if there be any fellowship of the Spirit, if there be any vows of mercy, he says, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same spirit, having the same love, and one mind and one accord. Where does that come from? One mind and one accord. Acts 2, right? It was all in one mind and one accord. See? Remember what happened on the day of Pentecost? They continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. Say, so fellowship is to bring you together. That's, this is why really what John is doing is he's reaching back over here to the wise man Solomon. Solomon says that two is better than one. 
Because if one fall, he's got someone else to help him up. A threefold cord, he says, is not easily broken. And what does Jesus say? If two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the mix of thee. So if Jesus is in the mix of you and my conversations and you and my togetherness and her togetherness and the three of us, we're talking and having good fellowship and thing and Jesus is there. What happens? What did the guy say as Jesus was having fellowship with them in Luke 24? He opened their understanding and they said, boy, did not our hearts burn within us? As he expounds to us the scriptures. See, it strengthens you when you're together with one another. That's why communion is what? Fellowship. That's why Jesus says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Because we're being stronger together. That's what John wants. He says, I want to strengthen you. So we, we find these, these words constantly. Fellowship. We find the word know. Oh, that I might know him, Paul says. And the fellowship of his suffering. See? I, went, I got to know more. And he talks about love. And we'll get into that too. You know, and the central theme here is God is life. God is light and righteous love. His character calls for holy living and brotherly love on the part of the believers. So we're going to touch into this. Amen. This is what God is is trying to get us to be able to see here. Amen. Praise God. Father, we love you. We truly appreciate your kindness and goodness and mercy towards us this morning. And God, as you start to open our understanding more into your word, oh God, and the desire that you desire to fulfill in our lives and our callings, oh God, we're asking you, Lord, to let your anointing be over us in every place, that we will be stronger in the faith, oh God, and that we will walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good